The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. What's up, guys? Week number 15 is the first of the final quarter of the season. There are four weeks left to go, and this is week number one of that four. But everybody's done with the bye week, so everyone is playing every week until the season is over, which means we got 16 games at least for the next uh, four weeks. Then we dwindle it down to uh, to the three uh, playoff matchups on each side. We got six in the wild card round, four in the divisional, two in the championship, and then, of course, the Super Bowl. But, uh, you know, even though it's mid-December, we still got about two months of football left before we're talking about 2024 and the draft and all the rest of that stuff. So, yeah, it's uh, it's all winding down as it's, uh, you know, now it's cold. Now it's getting cold everywhere uh, here in the Midwest. We've had flurries here and there. We had one snowfall that was about an inch that stuck around for a couple of days because, like, two days later it was 50 degrees outside and melted it away. But, you know, it's – it's Chicagoland. It's the winter time. The snow is coming. So it's, uh, we're going to get hit with both barrels at some point between now and Christmas, I believe. And we'll see how that goes. But, uh, so yeah, a full slate. Everybody's playing this weekend. We got some Saturday, uh, games, uh, this year or this week, I should say three of them, the triple header, uh, on Saturday, which, uh, has some interesting matchups in it including, I believe, two of our pick six games. Uh, I did only settle on four uh, in the pick six. Uh, number five, I, 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 you know, I, was, I was teetering uh, the, the four games that were chosen this week. Minnesota at Cincinnati, that's a Saturday game. Denver at Detroit, a Saturday game. Chicago at Cleveland, uh, my bias is showing on this one. And then Dallas at Buffalo, is the last one. I thought about uh, bringing out Baltimore and Jacksonville, but in the end, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I for whatever reason, I just didn't uh, include that one. But obviously, it and the rest of the ball games are in our all-out blitz. So we'll have somewhat of a supersized all-out blitz with 12 games instead of 10. So, and uh, of course, um, as we get started here with the show here in just a moment, we'll dive right in to our picks standings to see how everyone is doing after that abysmal week uh, with the uh, that week 14 was. It's like I don't know if everybody had a losing record like I did, but I know that like our top point score only had about 60 points. So let's go ahead and dive right in. This is the week 15 preview episode of the fourth phase. So let's get to it. Yeah. 
Welcome to the fourth phase, presented by Bears Talk Underground and Sports Drink Media. And now, your host, Larry D. Week 14 was brutal for us in the Pick'em game. Our top point scorer scored 64 out of a possible 115 points. No, no, 120. Because uh, 16 games is 136 points. And if you, you take the top score out when you lose games. So 15 was the top, so that means we lost 16 136 minus 16 is 120, and the top scorer of the week had 64. And for the second time this year, it was my mom. She was the one who scored 64 points. Uh, Just ahead of uh, uh, Velcro's Picks Don't Stick and Secret Bajit Man, who both had 63. Uh, Let's see. C.A. Zoid was right on their heels with 61. I had 53, and our lowest point of the week looks like 41 to Polish Express 30. Um, but, I mean, that just it was just a brutal, brutal week. I think we all took a bath on the Monday night games. Uh, I don't think anyone was picking the Giants or the Titans to win either uh, of the uh, ball games because I knew that I know that I needed – those I needed both of those games to be eight and seven, and instead I lost them both and finished six and nine, and also missed out on I think twenty one or twenty two points being added to my total if uh, if the Dolphins and the Packers win, and of course both of them lost late in the game. I mean the Packers literally lost on the final play because the the Giants kicked a last second. Field goal, the Titans um, scored with about 2.30 to go and then shut the Dolphins down uh, when they were trying to uh, rally. But, uh, yeah, I had 13 on the Dolphins. I had eight or nine on the Packers, lost both games, and, you know, six and nine record uh, for the week. And it looks definitely looks like I was not alone uh, there because we only had – so 120 was the was what we were shooting for. This week, and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I will count that one. Eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 of us. 15 of what? The 19 that are still playing the game scored less than half of that. And so that means there were only four people who scored more than half the points that were available this week. That's how, because you guys heard me in, in, the, in the review episode, I called this bizarro land because of all the upsets. I mean, including the Bears beating the, uh, the Lions. That was an upset. I'm sure, uh, I, you know, I don't know if everybody took the same strategy that I did. I only lost three points when the, uh, when the Bears beat the Lions, but uh, still lost that game. Uh, but yeah, I mean... Decatur Staley's exactly got exactly half, so that's why I included him in the larger group uh, of the fifteen that didn't score more than half, or half or half or less. Is let's we'll just qualify that. But four people, my mom at sixty four, our champion this week, 
Velcro's picks don't stick at 63. Secret Bajet Man at 63. And then C.A. Zoid at 61. And uh, that was it as far as 60-plus uh, point performers this week. It was a bad week. I mean, last week, a lot of us were in the 60s and, and the upper 50s. But, uh, you know, last week, week 13, there were only maybe 100, I think 101 points uh, available because that was the 13, the 13 point or the 13 game week. So we're missing 16, 15, and 14. That's, yeah, 35 points. So 101 is what we were shooting for. And, uh, the fact that our champion last week was McCubin, he scored 69 points, which is definitely more than half of 101. And, and most of us were above 50 points uh, last week. So it was, uh, it was a brutal, a brutal week this past week, that week 14, that a lot of us underperformed from what we did last week when there were 35 less points available, or was it 20 points less available uh, this week? So. Yeah, but this week, week 15, we got all of them, 136 uh, points available. So let's see if, if uh, we can figure out this league so that we can, you know, make a nice run towards the end uh, as we got four weeks left in this NFL uh, season. So real quick in our standings, Fields of Dreams is, uh, is still got a firm grasp. Actually, he's only one game better. Uh, he's got. He's still our our points and our wins uh, leader. Eleven thirty two on a one thirty five and seventy three record. But JoJo nipping at the heels at eleven twenty nine. So he's right there uh, at one thirty one and seventy seven. Afalava with eleven fifteen on a one twenty nine and seventy nine record in third. C A Zoid at eleven oh three with uh, one thirty four and seventy four. He's just behind Fields of Dreams for the wins title. McCubin at dead at right at eleven hundred. You can you couldn't do that if you tried next season to actually hit eleven hundred on the nose at one thirty and seventy eight. Agent Orange jerseys in sixth at ten ninety five with one thirty three and seventy five. Um, Secret Beja Man, 125 and 83 in seventh with 1087. Tanyoka, 1080 at 126 and 82. S. Van Horn at one, or excuse me, 1078 at 124 and 84. Decatur Staley's at 1077 and 128 and 80. At uh, There's our top 10. And then I am just on the outside at number 11 in my own freaking game. This is embarrassing. But I'm at 1066 for a 123 and 85 uh, record, just ahead of Azuma's Revenge. Has the same win loss record, but only 1042 uh, in the points. So, you know, for all the, you know, my mom, she uh, did not enter point totals the first week of the season. So even though she recorded her wins and losses that week, she didn't put in her confidence points. So who knows where she would be uh, if she had done that. Uh, this first week, but or the first week, so, but she's done something twice this year that I haven't even done once in my own game. She's been a weekly champ this this season, so I ha- I can't even uh, I can't even attest to that because I'm what fifty six, sixty six points behind the leader right now. So the odds of me pulling this off 
you know, you know, you know, shrinking a 66 point gap in the last four weeks. I don't see that happening. I'm 12 games behind the leader. I'm 123 and 85 and Fields of Dreams 135 and 73. It would take an epic collapse by everyone in front of me in the win loss to, to take that crown. But, uh, you know, at least I could win a week and I haven't done that yet. My mom has done it twice. She's basically been out of the points race since week one when she didn't put any confidence values in. But she's won two weeks so far this season. I haven't even won one in my own game. What a chump. So, yeah, what a bummer. Anyway, forget all that. We got uh, week number 15 coming up. Like I said, 16 games. So we got 16 chances and 136 points to earn this week. So let's go ahead and get started, as we always do in our preview episodes, with the Pick 6. Week number 15, Pick 6. Minnesota at Cincinnati. Denver at Detroit. Chicago at Cleveland. Dallas at Buffalo. Every one of these games has uh, playoff implications. And it looks like I went ahead and uh, picked all AFC-NFC matchups this week, too. Minnesota at Cincy, Denver at Detroit, Chicago, Cleveland, Dallas at Buffalo. Sure did. Didn't even realize that till just now. <laughs> so um, we'll start in uh, Cincinnati, where uh, the Bengals will be hosting the Vikings. And it was announced earlier today that they'll be doing so with a brand-new starting quarterback. Joshua Dobbs has officially been benched, something that Kevin O'Connell thought about doing during the Bears game two weeks ago on Monday Night Football and finally pulled the trigger late in the fourth quarter uh, against the Raiders uh, on Sunday. So after, you know, what was it, 50-something minutes of uh, mediocrity from Josh Dobbs, who was like 10 of... 23 for 63 yards going into the later half of the fourth quarter. Uh, Nick Mullins uh, comes in, and not only did he surpass Dobbs in the two drives that he led the Vikings offense, one of them he actually scored some points, uh, and it turned out the three points that he led the Vikings to was enough to get them the win uh, in Vegas uh, on Sunday. And um, so he's going to be the guy going forward. Don't know how long or short that leash is uh, for Nick Mullins because the Vikings are right in the thick of it still. Uh, If not, I think they are still in the playoffs. So I think actually they're the sixth seed right now. It's the Packers that are still in the playoffs despite their 6-7 and record uh, at the moment. And uh, let me pull up the playoff standings here real quick. And... um, yeah, so I mean it's it's uh it's an interesting uh situation that the Vikings are in because wins are paramount at this point in the season. Yes, they are still the sixth seed. They're the sixth seed at seven and six. The Vikings are and the Packers are six and seven, still at the seven, and that's where the logjam is in the NFC. Because the Packers are one of five teams at six and seven. Right now, and uh, we got two teams and the Bears and the Giants that are five and eight, 
uh, one game back of all of those teams. But of course, lots of tiebreakers and such uh, between those teams is you know what's got the Giants and the Bears where they're at. Not to mention their eight losses. But um, and on the flip side, in Cincinnati is seven and six after their win over the um, well after back to back wins actually because they beat Jacksonville on Monday Night Football two weeks ago. And then they beat the Colts this past Sunday uh, in Cincinnati, uh, outdueling the and actually shutting out the Colts in the second half. It was a first they were up fourteen nothing, then the uh, then the Colts tied it at fourteen just before halftime. But in I don't know, it must have been one hell of a halftime adjustment that the Bengals made because they shut the the Colts down and threw up twenty points of their own to kind of run away with it, 34-14 to 14 over the Colts uh, on Sunday. And where the logjam in the NFC is at 6-7, and seven, the logjam in the AFC is at 7-6, and six, where the last two teams in the playoffs, if the season were to end today, are Pittsburgh at 7-6 and six and the Colts at 7-6. and six. So they're the seventh seed right now. But uh, you have the Texans, the Broncos, the Bengals, and the Bills all at 7-6 and six on the outside of the playoffs right now for one tiebreaker or another uh, at the moment. So the Bengals at 7-6 and six are neck and neck with the Steelers and the Colts because, of the, because they have the same record, but because of tiebreakers uh, and such. Speak like, a, a, you know, for instance, an abysmal division record of 0-4 uh, so far. That is why they are behind... Uh, the Steelers uh, in the tiebreaker. And, of course, the Browns are a game ahead at 8-5 and five, uh, right now. So not only do they have the tiebreaker over the Bengals, but they've also, you know, are a game better in the standings. And so it's uh, – this is a, an important game for both teams. Obviously, the Vikings want to keep ground and stay uh, in the playoffs for the second year uh, in a row under Kevin O'Connell. And the Bengals – uh, who basically everyone wrote off, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. Joe Burrow goes down for the season with that wrist injury, and the following week they lose another divisional game to the Steelers, uh, thirteen to ten. You know, snooze fest between the two teams. But since then, Jake, uh, yeah, Jake Browning has been uh, Burrow esque in his efficiency and the production that we've seen. Uh, from the offense, you know, 31 points uh, in uh, in their win over Jacksonville and uh, 34 in their win this past Sunday in uh, over Indianapolis. And in both games, he was extremely accurate. He was like 32 of 37 against Jacksonville, something very close to that in uh, the win uh, over Indianapolis. And, you know, uh, big passing totals, 300-plus yards in both games, he had a passing and running touchdown last week against the uh, Colts, and uh, you know it's uh, it's interesting because what was supposed to be over, you know, two weeks ago or three weeks ago when they lost that game to the Steelers is like, oh yeah, you know they they the, the the last play of the of the season for Joe Burrow he throws a touchdown pass to give them the lead over the Ravens in Baltimore on Thursday Night Football. But after that, the Ravens kind of ran them off the field, and then the week later, they could only muster 10 points uh, against the Steelers. The, the Bengals are done. 
And that's what everybody thought because, you know, I, I think I not only picked them to lose to the Jaguars, but I went heavy on the Jaguars on points. That's how confident I was Cincinnati was done. And then Jake Browning shows up and outduels, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence in the ball game, leads his team to a victory in Trevor Lawrence's house. I don't know what it is with the Jags. They can't win a game at home this year. That's really messed up. But, um, you know, Cincinnati got it done. And then for an encore, he does it again uh, against Indianapolis in his own building uh, for 300-plus yards, a touchdown, running, a touchdown, uh, passing. And, uh, you know, the defense has really been playing, uh, played really well against the, uh, the Colts uh, as well, you know, in 34-14 win. The Vikings have had a rough couple of weeks, you know, two, three, I guess three weeks ago now. I keep saying two weeks, but three weeks ago now, the Vikings lose on Monday Night Football uh, to the Bears. And probably in what many regarded to be one of the worst games of the year until the they gave until this three nothing you know barn burner they just played with the the Raiders it's like the Bears twelve ten you know uh, game is uh, you know an an offensive uh, you know juggernaut compared to this game where the first points weren't scored until there was a minute fifty to go in the game. After the two-minute warning, they went to the two-minute warning, 0-0, zero, zero, and uh, made the field goal about a, a player or two after that. So, yeah, they've had a rough go of it, but they they have benched Josh Dobbs, who was the quarterback of these teams that struggled to score so mightily. And, uh, you know, Nick Mullins comes in cold off the bench, was productive in the first drive, and then in the second one actually led them uh, to the points that would be enough for them uh, to win. And, um, you know, but you also have to remember uh, Brian Flores' defense only gave up 12 points a few weeks ago and then only gave up zero uh, against the Raiders on the road uh, this past Sunday. So you'd have to think if the offense can get something going, then the Vikings might really still be some, still be a team to contend with, because a few weeks ago when they were seven and four or six and four, they looked like a team that was playoff ready because their defense was 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 playing well. Lion Flores is, is uh, you know they've been performing well under him in his first year as their defensive uh, coordinator. Josh Dobbs was making magic happen uh, with the offense, but then. They've lost two of their last three games, including these last two uh, to the Bears. And uh, Well, actually, they didn't lose to the Raiders, did they? But they've lost two of their last three. And, you know, the the shine is off the apple, so to speak, because Josh Dobbs is now, he went from being the savior uh, of the Vikings after Kirk Cousins went down for the season to now being the, uh, being the scapegoat. And he's the one that's uh, lost his job, at least for the time being. Anyway, so Nick Mullins, who was able to get a win or two as quarterback of the 49ers, has been kind of bouncing around the league these last few years. Gets his shot uh, in Minnesota with the uh, with the Vikings, uh, but on the road in Cincinnati. You know, so was that drive where they scored points? Was that the start of something, or was it just a, a, you know the war of attrition that the Vikings won because somebody? has to score so this goddamn game can be over with. And thankfully, they did it in regulation. They did not make it to overtime with a 0-0 tie, uh, and they won the game. So we'll have to see. 
you know, uh, Kevin O'Connell has proven to be a very good coach because he squeezed like three wins, uh, if not more, out of uh, – no, he got three wins out of Josh Dobbs, but they went uh, three and two uh, in the time with that Dobbs was the, uh, was the starter. And, uh, you know, they're still in the playoff, uh, and they're, they're, you know, still up a game in the playoffs as a sixth seed. So, um, but they, like I said, with the log jam that's right behind them, they could easily fall out of favor if they lose another game. So it, this is an important game for them. Uh, like I said, the Bengals, it's especially important for them because they have the same record as two teams that are in the playoffs right now. But because of tiebreakers and their terrible division record, and, and you know, it's, it's kind of hard. I don't know if they'll be able to overcome that if they keep in the same spot as far as they win, Pittsburgh wins, they win, the Colts win, and so on. So we'll see. The Colts and the Steelers are actually playing each other uh, this weekend. So one of them might lose their playoff spot this week. So it's interesting. Uh, it's a big, big weekend, and, and uh, these playoff races are really tightening up uh, here. So, But with, with everything that's uh, you know laid out in front of me, I'm going to go with the Bengals on this one. Uh, you know, Jake Browning proved against the Colts that his uh, performance against the Jacksonville Jaguars was not a fluke, uh, you know, by doubling up and, and actually doing probably a bit better than he did uh, against Jacksonville. And I know that the Minnesota's defense is rough and Cincinnati's offensive line can be suspect at times, but it's the offense of the Vikings that I'm really worried about. So unless the defense of Minnesota starts scoring points for them, um, it, it could be rough. So Justin Jefferson will play this week, or so he says, but he's not going to be uh, 100%. And, you know, we haven't seen enough to see if uh, Nick Mullins has the, has the chemistry with, with um, Jordan Addison and Hawkinson and, and whatnot to see if they can, you know, Will the game be over by they start by the time they start to figure that out in a game situation? So, I I, I feel like Cincinnati is the safer bet here. So I'm going to go with the Bengals. <laughs> game number two, we got Denver at Detroit. Now the prevailing thought about the Lions before the Bears game was that they were frauds. You know, having you know performed so poorly, uh, the la- I mean, starting with the Bears game a few weeks ago. Uh, giving up 26 points, being down the way that they were before that epic uh, comeback. Then four days later, basically the exact same thing happens against the Packers, only this time the Packers' pass rush just owned the Lions' offensive line. Goff was under fire the entire football game. They never got a chance to come back like they did uh, against the Bears. And even two weeks ago when they played the Saints, they get out to this 21 to nothing lead and they're like, okay, so maybe the Lions are back after all. You know, they, they, they had their 10 day break since Thanksgiving. They've put up 21 points like in the first seven minutes of the first quarter. And then they started to, you know, the off the defense started to roll over again. They lost the game. If not for that 21 nothing start, the Saints win the game 20, 28 to 12, I believe, because it was a 33 to 28 victory by the Lions. They had to, hold on uh, to that victory. So people were starting to get worried, is the defense falling apart here? And then the Bears come out and basically do the same thing in Chicago that they did in Detroit, only this time they held on. 
They held on uh, for good. The bad quarter that the Bears had in this one was in the second quarter. And then at halftime, they shut the Lions out, kept them quiet, and you know ran away with the game uh, in the second half. So what was a prevailing thought before the Bears game? Those overtures are even louder now after being dismantled by Chicago for virtually the second time uh, this season. You know, it's like, well, are they fraudulent or did they just run into a team that's been on the, you know, been improving over the last month uh, or so, especially on the defensive side of the ball, talking about the Bears, uh, of course. But, um, you know, Denver, on the other hand, has won six of seven. They're only one game back in the AFC West after starting the year one and five. They're seven and six right now, and the Chiefs have been in a tailspin. Uh, losing three out of their last four or something like that, and they're eight and five. So they're only a game better than the uh, Broncos right now, and they split the season series because they beat Denver in uh, on Thursday Night Football in Kansas City, but then Denver rolled them in, in, uh, in Denver uh, 20-4-9 or something crazy like that. Didn't allow a touchdown for Mahomes. But, uh, you know, Russell Wilson is, is uh, you know, not exactly his old Seattle self as far as production and uh, the kind of points they used to crank out uh, in Seattle. But he's a never-say-die kind of guy. He still has an arm that could throw the football to the moon if he wanted to, and he is still deadly accurate. Some of these throws that he's made, uh, and, and all kudos to Cortland Sutton for coming down with these footballs, but the placement of these throws by Wilson has been bananas where there's only one person coming down with it because he's thrown it in that 0.02% window that only Cortland Sutton uh, could catch him uh, in. And, you know, he has been uh, pretty great. I mean, statistically, it's nothing to blow your hair back, but, like, his touchdown-to-interception ratio is still pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, it's it speaks volumes as to how it is they've been able to go uh, on this run. Uh, lately, and now they're going on the road uh, to Detroit against the Lions team. That's, um, I would have to say, they're pretty pissed off uh, at this point. The good news is, um, like I said, Denver is playing inspired football. Sean Payton has really turned this thing uh, around, but Denver isn't uh, isn't just you know slapping the points on the board. So this could be a bounce back week for this Detroit defense, you know, to, to get after, to get after Wilson, to pressure him, uh, you know, to shut down uh, the Broncos and give themselves a chance to uh, recover and, uh, you know, uh, and repair their bruised, uh, bruised reputation uh, at the moment. I mean, I'm not currently ready to, jump on the fraudulent bandwagon just yet. I've, uh, you know, being here uh, in the Midwest, I've gotten to see the Lions play quite a bit this year, and I've seen them play too well to just write off this, the month that they've had. I mean, and I also think it's, it's not fair because I think Detroit's history is tainting this fraudulent claim because the Lions have been the Lions and, uh, and, and all that kind of stuff, because I don't hear anyone saying that the Chiefs are frauds, having lost three out of the last four, and you know they're uh, you know they're in danger of not even winning their own division right now. 
You know, I don't hear anyone saying that about the Eagles having lost to the 49ers and the Cowboys the last two weeks uh, or anything like that. Good teams have bad stretches. It happens uh, in the season. And despite it, the Lions have lost two of their last three because they were 8-2 and two going into that game uh, against the Packers on Thanksgiving Day. So they've, they've lost two of three, but they're back at home. I still think they're a good football team, and I still think they can win, especially if they get that running game going uh, against the uh, Broncos. The thing that they'll have to do, the thing that they will 100% have to avoid is turning over the football. Um, the, Jared Goff, in two games against the Bears, threw six interceptions. Or five. He threw five interceptions. Turned the ball over six times. He himself turned the ball over six times. Three picks in the first game. Two picks and a fumble in the past uh, game. I don't think he turned the ball over against the uh, the Saints. So take that for what you will. So the, the, the Lions are going to have to avoid... Uh, the mistakes, I saw Dan Campbell's press conference after the Bear game. Number one, he gave my guys proof, uh, or praise for being a good football team. Those guys are playing good football right now, and uh, you know we couldn't afford to make the mistakes, and we made a ton of them. You know, they, they, had, they had, I think, 10 or 11 uh, penalties against them. They had four turnovers, in the, three turnovers again uh, in that football game. So they basically couldn't get out of their own way, actually. Uh, in the in the Bears game, that's one way of uh, of looking at it for sure. So, but to get past the Broncos, that's definitely like number one on the list is to cut back or eliminate the mistakes slash uh, turnovers. So, call me a believer for one more week. I'm taking the Lions over the Broncos, but that could change in a big way if they uh, if they lose on Sunday. <coughs> Scratch that. Saturday, that's a Saturday game, as is the Minnesota and Cincinnati game. So, anyway, game number three, my beloved Chicago Bears at the Cleveland Browns. The Bears have won two in a row for the first time in the Matt Eberflus era. The defense, as I mentioned a moment ago, is playing inspired football. We've got at least three games in a row with multiple uh, turnovers. The pass rush is affecting the quarterback getting multiple sacks in a game. I mean, this is a team that after nine weeks, ten weeks, had ten sacks. And the only thing that was more embarrassing than that stat was that five of them were in one game. We got five of them in that one win over Washington in week five and then spread out amongst the other eight or nine games, we had five sacks. But since then, I think we've had nine, nine sacks in the last four games. Same thing with the turnovers I think we had maybe four in the first 10 weeks and in the last five weeks or so we've we've well I mean we had we got three against the Lions this past Sunday we got four turnovers four Josh Dobbs interceptions in the Monday night game three interceptions and a fumble recovery in the Lions game so that right there is what 11 turnovers in three games so never mind what you know what they've been doing since week nine or ten or whatever. In the last three weeks, we've got we're averaging over three turnovers or three takeaways, as the defensive players like to say, uh, a game. So it's uh, it's been quite a change. And if 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 Eberflus isn't able to hang on to his job, 
then he is making one hell of an audition to be somebody's defensive coordinator immediately next year to basically, you know, not have to sit home and collect his, uh, the remaining years on his contract uh, with the bears. He can, he can go right in and, and start working for somebody to, uh, you know, to, to, to have a solid defense again next year, because what he's done with the defense over the last at least six or seven weeks uh, have been amazing because I can think of outside of the collapse against Detroit, the only other bad game they've had since like week seven is um, uh, the the uh, the the Sunday night game against the Chargers, where Herbert just kind of picked them apart. But I think that was also the last game before we got Montez Sweat. So I mean, talk about what a difference maker this guy has been, or at least I don't know if it's if it's if he's inspired the defense or if his presence has made things easier for everyone uh, around him because he was leading, he was up in like the top 10 for quarterback uh, pressures before he was traded uh, to Chicago. He has continued to do that, and I think he has four sacks in in the five games since he's been uh, on the team, and everyone else around him has been uh, producing as well, and unfortunately, um, we lost Yannick Ngakwe for the season uh, today. We found out that he broke his ankle towards the end of the game uh, against the uh, the Lions, so he's done. So we're going to miss him. And even though he's had a down year as far as production, he had a sack uh, against the Lions, and I think he had a, a sack against the Vikings as well. So he was he was uh, definitely benefiting from having sweat on the other side. Uh, of him in that defensive line. Uh, you know, we've seen other uh, line like Gravon Dexter uh, Jr. finally got his first sack of the season this past Sunday uh, against the um, against the Lions. Justin Jones had a sack and a half uh, on Sunday. That's Those are interior guys that are getting it done because uh, Sweat is collapsing to the pocket to push Goff into those, D, those interior uh, linemen. Uh, and everything. So uh, it's been pretty impressive what we've seen uh, from the defense. And I think somebody that isn't getting enough credit right now is uh, Phil Snow, who was the defensive analyst that was brought in to help Eberflus kind of game plan uh, for, um, for uh, you know, on the defensive uh, side. So the defense really started to pick up right around the same time he was hired uh, as well. So, Maybe we owe it to him more than we do at Eberflus just to play devil's advocate uh, for a moment. But, um, you know, Justin Fields has been playing. He was basically kind of picking up where he left off from the uh, Commanders game because he got knocked out of the Vikings game early, right before halftime, if I'm not mistaken. So, or right after halftime. Bajan played pretty much the entire second half. So, um, yeah. But it's like, aside from that one bad half against the Vikings, you have the game against the Broncos where he threw for like 350 and four touchdowns and that one interception at the end of the game, but no interceptions and four touchdowns against the uh, Commanders the following week. And then when he comes back against the Lions, he doesn't uh, pile on the yardage, but had 100, or excuse me, the, uh, yeah, the passing yards, I should say. But he has, uh, he had about 180 yards passing and two touchdowns. He had 104 yards rushing uh, in that game. 
and I think the only turnover was the strip sack at the end of uh, the game. Now, against the Vikings, no one really had a good game uh, offensively. Uh, nobody put up any decent stats except maybe like DJ Moore, who I think still had over 100 yards receiving in the game despite the, we, the fact the Bears didn't score a touchdown in that one. But that was the one. That was the game where Justin Fields stepped up and in the, in the moment where the Bears needed uh, a drive to score points to, to win the game, he actually did it. Uh, it was the first time that he's done it since he's been our starter. And then this past Sunday, uh, after the bye week against the Lions, not uh, not anything to blow your hair back statistically, but he didn't turn the football over. He made a, a dime of a throw to DJ Moore for a touchdown on fourth and thirteen. Uh, of all things, he ran a touchdown in uh, himself. So he hasn't exactly taken the big leap that everyone was expecting or hoping to see this year in year three. But he's definitely trending up. I, th- I think he's t- because he's doing things this year that he wasn't able to do in his first two seasons. For one reason or another, he's doing those things now. This is going to be a test because the Browns still have a stifling defense with one of the best pass rushers, if not the best pass rusher in the league, in Miles Garrett. The only um, problem that the Browns have on defense is their health. I just saw that they lost uh, Grant Delbit for four weeks, which could be the rest of the season, uh, with a groin injury. Um, I forget how to pronounce this. It was like Okwen, Okwenango or something like that. They lost him uh, as well with like a hip injury. Um, I don't know if um, Denzel Ward is still health, is healthy uh, yet, but they're banged up on the defensive side. And it makes sense. Because they've logged a lot of miles since they lost to Sean Watson. Uh, they've, they've had a lot of three and outs and, and everything. And uh, so they've been spending an, an, an increased amount of time on the field because of their struggles uh, on offense. And despite the weapons that they have, Njoku, Amari Cooper, uh, Peoples-Jones, uh, Kareem Hunt uh, out of the backfield, they've struggled to score points uh, since Deshaun Watson uh, went down. So, uh, you know, there's no arguing that. And, you know, the other question is, who's the quarterback going to be uh, on Sunday? It's like I heard that Joe Flacco has already reverted back to the practice squad. So does Kevin Stefanski stick with Flacco and elevate him back to the roster, or do we turn it over or turn it back to a healthy uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, who was cleared of the protocol and he was, quote-unquote, healthy last Sunday uh, against the um, Jaguars, but Flacco was the, still the quarterback that played, you know, and turnovers were a huge part of the Browns scoring the 31 points that they did last week. Now, the offense themselves scored those 31 points because they're, the, uh, the Browns' defense didn't score, but they got three interceptions out of Trevor Lawrence, and I think they got at least two scoring drives out of those uh out of those turnovers and you know but aside from that the offense has struggled to score they took advantage of the shorter fields to score points against Jacksonville on Sunday but they're still struggling overall to get anything going if DTR gets thrown back in there i think you might be looking at another basic kind of offense and uh you know Cleveland relying heavily on Jim Schwartz and that defense to uh to get things done. So 
I don't know. I'm also hoping that Justin Fields doesn't have flashbacks uh, because two years ago he made his first NFL start in Cleveland, and that's when Matt Nagy hung him out to dry. It, it was brutal. You had Jason Peters, a 40-year-old Jason Peters at one tackle, and I believe he, like Larry Borum, uh, or Larry Borum was the, our starting right tackle who was a rookie or a second-year guy in 2021. And uh, they gave up four sacks in the first half. They made zero adjustments at halftime, which meant that they didn't have any, uh, they didn't keep in max protection or have anybody chipping. Because uh, not only was it Garrett, but it was also Jadavian Clowney. But Garrett, I think, had five sacks in the game. They finished with nine because they got five more in the second half. After sacking Fields four times in the first half, they sacked him five more times in the second half in what was a brutal game. So I'm hoping Fields doesn't get flashbacks from that very ugly, ugly day. And, um, you know, I hope the Bears are smarter than that this time around uh, and uh, they don't leave Fields and company out to dry this time. So hopefully we are smarter than that. But, uh, you know, Luke Getze does like to design plays where there's going to be a free rusher coming. This is not the week to do that, Luke. Please help me out with this, bro. Okay, do not do this this week when the free rusher is is going to be Miles Garrett because he will run through Justin Fields and leave nothing behind. So how about we, uh, you know, we always keep somebody in or, you know, something to account for Miles Garrett on every snap of the ball. How about that? So. But you know what? I uh, I'm, I'm drinking the Kool Aid, man. I, I'm loving what I'm seeing uh, from our defense. Uh, like I said, I think the offense is kind of. Uh, I don't think the offense is 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 really you know like pumping right now. But I just it's tough, man. It's it's tough because the defenses are uh, are what's going to win this game right now. And Cleveland has been playing well all season, whereas the Bears have been playing well lately. But um, so I just I got to go with my bias on this one. I'm I'm, I'm sticking with the uh, I'm going to go with the Bears. Uh, come on, guys! The last the last couple times I've had hope and picked the Bears, it's been ugly. So please, just do me right this time and win this football game for me. <laughs> Final game of the slate. Dallas at Buffalo, the Cowboys, with a huge win over the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday night football, are now in first place in their division, but not first place in the NFC. They uh, concede that to the tiebreaker that is the 49ers, who beat them 42-10 earlier uh, in uh, in the season. But their win over Philly puts them in first place. They're currently the two seed. In the NFC, while Philly drops from one down to five uh, in the NFC, so they are uh, they are the five seed. So they are a wild card team on the road right now. But that happened in the Jerry Dome, where the Cowboys are a perfect seven and zero this year, with some bananas uh, point margin of victory uh, this season. Uh, going into the Seattle game, they were five and zero. And they had won an average of like 205 to 60, so 41 to 10 
in uh, or forty-one to twelve, or it was something crazy like that. Like it was a thirty-point point differential in those uh, in those five games. They won a shootout with the uh, Seahawks, like thirty-eight to thirty-five or forty-one to thirty-five, something like that, and then went thirty-three to thirteen over the Eagles. So even with the Seahawks messing with the average. Uh, as far as points that they've given up, the margin of victory is still bananas right now. The only problem is this game's taking place in Buffalo, and the Bills have been playing inspired football the uh, the last few weeks. Three weeks ago, or is it four weeks? Because they had a bye week. Four weeks ago, they scored 32 in their first game under a new offensive coordinator, Joe Brady. In a losing effort to the Eagles the following week, they scored 34 uh, on the Eagles, who have a very good defense. And then this past Sunday, they were able to score enough to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. It was only 20 points, but it was enough because uh, their defense really stepped up. And uh, depending on who you talk to, got some help from the referees. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Came away with the uh, with the win and uh, on the road in Kansas City, beating them for the third time in three years uh, in the regular season. You know the uh, and the you know like I said, Josh Allen. I think his streak is still going because um, I think he did turn the ball over. He did turn the ball over in Philadelphia, so I think he's thrown ten interceptions in the last nine games because he did throw a pick against the Chiefs on Sunday. But, uh, you know, overall, it's, it, it hasn't been catastrophic the way it had been earlier in the season when they, you know, just could not. The thing about the Bills is that they're 7-6 and six when they really should be 10-3 and three or 9-4 and four with some of the inexplicable losses that they've had uh, this year. I mean, it really has been amazing. That loss to the Broncos uh, this season – they they lost that game week one to the Jets on a walk off overtime, uh, you know, game and, and everything. So that's two wins right there that they should have had. They should have uh, they should have won both of those games. So they should be nine and four right now, in first place in the NFC East because they haven't played Miami a second time yet, and they own the tiebreaker. They beat the piss out of Miami the first time around. So, um, yeah, they still got that rematch coming up. It might even be next week, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, they have to focus on the task at hand. The Cowboys are coming to town, and as a road team, the Cowboys are only 3-3. Three and three. They are a 500 team uh, on the road, including that beating they suffered. They, they, and they lost to Philly on the road, they lost to Arizona, and they lost to the 49ers uh, on the road. And two of those games were not good. And the and funny enough, the other game because they lost forty two to ten in San Francisco. The other game was in Arizona. They lost twenty eight to sixteen, uh, and they had to score late to make it that close. Uh, it was a bad bad day uh, for the Cardinals, or excuse me, for the Cowboys. Now those were a long time ago. Those were like weeks two and four or something like that um, for the for Dallas. But uh, you know, since then they they still had that one loss in. Philadelphia, where they pretty much got in their own way on that one. So winning on Sunday had to be some kind of redemption. Like they knew they could beat Philly. They knew they could beat him. They should have beat him the first time, and then they did uh, in Dallas. So, 
If I'm the NFC, I'm doing everything that I can to keep the Dallas Cowboys out of the Jerry Dome in the playoffs. You know, even if that means, you know, Philly regaining the lead in the NFC East so the Cowboys are a, are a wild card team and have to go on the road as opposed to, you know, the 49ers and the, the, the Eagles losing a game late and getting behind the Cowboys and the Cowboys have home field where they have been bulletproof this season. So, uh, you know, this is not the year that you want the Cowboys with the number one seed, with a bye, playing, you know, hosting playoff games where they're just deliriously undefeated uh, this season. So uh, I, I, I like the way the Bills have been playing. I'm rooting for them in the AFC. I want to see Josh Allen because I don't want the Colts and the Steelers in the playoffs. I don't. Those are guaranteed losses because right now the Colts are going to Miami and the Steelers are going to Kansas City. Those are not going to be football games. Those aren't. Those are going to be bloodbaths. You know, the the Steelers-Chiefs game might be a little bit closer because of uh, the way that the Chiefs are, are struggling on offense to score points uh, this season, the inconsistency, which... You know, if you're a Bears fan, it makes all the sense in the world because of the guy calling the plays. But, you know, to see Mahomes and Kelsey, uh, you know, with uh, <laughs> to see those guys struggling to score points, uh, you know, Edward Elaire and Pacheco, uh, you know, can't seem to get it going offensively to score points on a consistent enough basis. <sighs> Steve Spadnolo's defense can only do so much. So I think that one would be closer, but. It's still a guaranteed loss. You're not going into Arrow the Steelers with their offense. They're not going into Arrowhead and winning a football game. So I want the Bills in the playoffs. I want the Texans in the playoffs. I want the the Broncos in the playoffs more than I want the Steelers or the Colts. That'll be a boring wild card weekend because if the Steelers and the Colts end up keeping their spots and making the playoffs, I don't want to see that. So yeah, let's let's not do that. So. I want to see Buffalo win. I want them to be the team that makes it into the playoffs, That may, and they still got three weeks after this because I don't think they're going to win uh, on Sunday. I, I just, I've seen too much from the Cowboys. They're, they're, I mean, they're riding high right now, so it's, uh, and they've, they've had their games with, with Philly, so the only divisional games they have left, I think they have one or both with the Commanders uh, coming up if I'm not mistaken. So I don't think they played it. No, they played the Commanders on Thanksgiving, but I think they still have a rematch uh, coming up. I think that's, that's their last game of the, uh, of the season. Yeah, because the Cowboys are 4-1 and one in their division. That one loss was to the uh, Eagles. So they've played five of six. So, yeah, they're playing the Commanders to finish the season uh, in Week 18. That's the only divisional game they have left, and... Of course, we all know it's nothing but divisional games the last week of the season, so that has to happen. But, you know, it's uh, – I like the Cowboys uh, to win here. I'm picking the Cowboys, but I'm rooting for the Bills. I really am. I, I want the Bills to keep winning. I want them back in the playoffs. I want to see Josh Allen uh, in there doing his thing. And, you know, willing the Bills to victory or doing everything he can to make that happen 
versus watching Gardner Minshew and Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett stumble their way to a loss uh, in the wild card round. So how about we avoid that and, and get a team that I think can actually compete in those games with the Bills. But I got to go with the Cowboys on Sunday. <laughs> so there you have it, guys. Pick six for week number 15. Let's go ahead and wrap this thing up with our supersized 12-game All-Out Blitz. All-Out Blitz, week number 15, 12 games. Let's go. We got the Chargers at Vegas on Thursday night football. Is the Chargers season over now that Justin Herbert is done for the year? Or can the Raiders bounce back from last week's embarrassing loss to Minnesota in their own building? Call me crazy. I'm going to take the Raiders. Pittsburgh at Indianapolis. The Steelers are on the road after back-to-back home losses to 2-10 and teams. Meanwhile, Indy had their four-game winning streak snapped and are looking to stay in the playoff race. T.J. Watt is coming back. I'm going with the Steelers. Atlanta at Carolina. The only purpose the Panthers have in the rest of this season is to keep losing so my Bears can keep the number one overall pick. The Falcons, on the other hand, need to bounce back after losing first place to the Bucks in the NFC South. I'm going with the Falcons. Tampa Bay at Green Bay, the old school battle of the Bays. Despite losing six of seven, the Bucks beat Atlanta to get themselves back in first place in the South. Meanwhile, the Packers beat Kansas City and then lost to the Giants. Will the real Packers please stand up and win a game for me this weekend? Houston at Tennessee. Will Tennessee's win over Miami spur them to a late-season run, or will the Texans get back back on track after losing two of three? Right now, I'm going with the Titans. Jets at Miami. The Jets that we were expecting this season showed up in their surprise win over Houston last week. But a few weeks ago, they were run off their own field by these Dolphins on Black Friday. Give me Miami. Giants at the Saints. The Saints got back in the NFC South race with their win last week. But undrafted rookie Tommy DeVito has led the Giants to three straight wins. But does the honeymoon end here? I say yes. Give me New Orleans. Washington at the Rams. Washington is coming off the bye and hasn't won a game in over a month. While the Rams, on the other hand, are back in the thick of the playoff race and need a win here, give me Stafford and the Rams. San Francisco at Arizona. The 49ers have won five straight in dominant fashion and should get another here against Arizona, but they need to be careful not to avoid a trap game with the Ravens coming up next week. I'll take the 49ers. Kansas City at New England. Can Bailey Zappi and the Patriots repeat their performance from last week? Or will the angry Chiefs get over themselves and recover from losing straight? I say yes. Give me the Chiefs. Baltimore at Jacksonville. The Jaguars couldn't get out of their own last week. Uh, last In their three-turnover loss to Cleveland, are the Ravens too beat up from their nail-biting win over the Rams to, get an, to go another round? I'm still going to go with the Ravens. And then finally, Philadelphia at Seattle. The Eagles haven't beaten the Seahawks in 15 years or so I'm told, but after losing back-to-back games to the 49ers and the Cowboys, Philly really needs to find a way to win this one. Give me the Eagles. So there you go, guys. The supersized 12-game all-out blitz, and that is going to do it for the Week 15 preview of the fourth phase. And uh, come back tomorrow. 
when myself and Thomas Stargell from the Battle of Ohio podcast will preview Bears-Browns. Maybe we'll uh, solve the mystery on whether or not it's going to be uh, DTR or Flacco taking the snaps at quarterback this week. We'll get uh, a little bit more in-depth into what the injury situation looks like for that Cleveland defense and how shorthanded will they be uh, against Justin Fields and DJ Moore and the rest of the Bears squad uh, on offense. So lots of questions to answer there. Uh, This game carries much more weight than I thought it would uh, going into it. I also thought that the the records at worst would be reversed with the Bears eight and five and the Browns five and eight. But hey, this is interesting too. At five and eight, even though they're the thirteenth seed right now, the Bears aren't out of it at the moment. They st- they're still in the hunt when they pull up those graphics uh, on ESPN. So stranger things uh, have happened. So and the NFC is such a weak conference right now. It is not out of the realm of possibility. It is highly unlikely but still possible, and as long as it's possible, I'm rooting for it to happen. So we'll talk to Thomas uh, tomorrow on Friday to get you ready for Bears-Browns this Sunday. So come on back for that, and until then, my name is Larry D. This has been the fourth phase, and we will see you next time. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.